Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the Odd Man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to this special edition of the Audacious Living Podcast, where our continued goal is to help you live your best audacious life ever. We're coming to you today on International Women's Day, a day that's recognized around the world uh, where the rights of women are celebrated, uh, accomplishments uh, that are made are recognized and highlighted. Um, we're doing our part here on the podcast uh, by profiling a very special individual. Uh, her name is Steph Nash, a, a very good friend of mine. And uh, what makes Steph special is uh, she has a warrior spirit uh, that uh, just doesn't quit. Uh, five years ago, Steph was diagnosed with glioblastoma, uh, which is a, a fatal uh, form of brain cancer. Um, the percentage of those that survive past the first year is quite low and it does not have a cure now uh, none of those things mattered to Steph uh, she knew right away when, when the doctors told her what was going on with her she knew right away that she had to fight and she was not going to give up and to see where she is at five years later and she's still going strong uh, it's absolutely remarkable uh, when I talk about being an inspiration uh, she certainly is she is a beacon of hope to so many people and I'm really really excited that we had some time to chat with Steph here on the podcast I think it's one that all of you will enjoy uh, and take away from like I said uh, uh, inspirational um, uh, is a whole other level um, you know we talk about being bold and being audacious man Steph has blown that out of the water big time and I, and I couldn't be any more proud of her so uh, without further ado I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking uh, we've set the stage here quite nicely and give you an opportunity uh, to hear from my girl Steph enjoy International Women's Day is a civic awareness movement that celebrates the rights of women while profiling and highlighting their remarkable achievements. The theme for 2021 is Choose to Challenge, and the journey that Steph Nash has been on the last five years is an embodiment of just that. Steph received a grim diagnosis in 2016 that she had one of the deadliest forms of brain cancer called glioblastoma. Sadly, only 25% of patients survive more than one year after receiving treatment. Steph knew from the onset that that wasn't going to be her reality, and the fight began. While the journey hasn't been the easiest one, Steph's fighting spirit and warrior mindset have inspired countless people as she refuses to give up while at the same time creating awareness about this deadly disease and being a beacon of hope to so many. My girl Steph is up next on the Audacious Living Podcast. You can hear, right? Well, I'm going to turn up my volume. Yeah. Is that good? Can you hear me? That's awesome. Awesome, Dawson. Oh my gosh. It's so good to see you. I know. It's been so long. Man. I was just telling Rich, like, I think the last time 
that we probably saw each other because I, when I got diagnosed, I was still doing underground express. Remember yes, you just were. for the first, the first year of my diagnosis and a little bit after. You got, so you um, got, you guys were doing like packing in, like, I don't know how many episodes that you. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, so, cause we knew like, cause like you knew, uh, Boogie knew, um, but nobody else knew that right. I had been diagnosed with yes. brain cancer. Yes. We didn't let anyone know that for so long. Like our closest friends and family right. um, knew, but in terms of outside, like for yeah. media and stuff like that, only you and Boogie knew that was it. Wow. And we were still actually doing oh. all the episodes. We packed in so many. You guys are <laughs> killing it. In fact, in fact, and you don't remember this, the Wednesday night lineup was Underground Express and Down with the Kings. With the Kings, yep. And I will tell you, I know you, and I'm telling you, may not believe you, you guys are putting in so much work. I was like, I gotta come with it because these guys are like, <laughs> and I almost felt like it's a Wednesday night, you know, we are the Wednesday night crew. We are bringing it. And y'all made me inspire me to keep going, man. So it was nice. Thank it was, you. Nice. It was such a nice little run. I love what you guys. I mean, you guys are like a winning combination. You and Boogie were just killing it, so. I know, it was crazy because he was the one, like, remember I had, well, I still did the um, um, underground, like I did the Underground Express, but I also had my own stuff. And I was doing stuff with um, Sprocks, yes. doing the interviews uh, and stuff like that. So I had that going, plus my full-time job at the time, which was with working with the government. I was doing all of that. And then everything came crashing down. Yeah. So, but we still managed to do, like like I said, we packed it as much as we could. I remember. Um, I remember. I remember yeah. Boogie one time telling me how you were so insistent that you wanted to keep going and keep going. Yep. And, and, and I, I, want, I want to actually... I want to start there because uh, okay. at the beginning of the diagnosis, right? Everything is right. brand new. Uh, uh, it's I can imagine, and maybe we'll get we'll talk about sort of what that initial shock does, if you will. But yet you wanted to keep going. Was was that to help? Is that to limit any sort of change in your life, or what was really going on at that time? Why you wanted to keep plugging and working away the way you did? Well, I remember when everything happened, when everything came crashing down. Um, it was Father's Day, 2016 of June. I uh, was getting ready um, to go to the Sprox's studio um, to finish off the Strange Fruit um, True Grit album and finish off a couple of songs. And one of the songs was Strange Fruit, um, which was very uh, emotional song for me. Um, if I tell people always listen to the words and I give uh, big thanks to OC. Um, Cause as you know, that I was working on the album, I had won um, a grant um, from the arts council in Toronto to do the album. And I was about 92% finished that album when everything happened. So I was heading out to the studio um, to Sprox's studio to finish up on, I think we had three or four more songs to do. Uh, heading out to the studio and I just remember um, going to get ready I was trying to brush my hair and I couldn't manipulate the handbrush as I told you before and I didn't understand what was going on and then I started brushing my eye and it was a metal brush and I was like this is not right something's wrong and I went to try to walk and I couldn't take like going down the stairs my um, my bedroom stairs I couldn't take 
uh, one step. I had, couldn't do the regular step. I had to do one step at a time. Yep. So I made it to the main floor and I called 911. And I said, I think you need to come. I was, I thought I was home alone, but I wasn't. I, my older son, Xavier was in the basement, but I didn't know that. Right. And I called 911 and I was panicking and I said, you need to come quick. I think I'm having a stroke. And as I said that, that's when Xavier came from upstairs and he said, mom, you're not having a stroke. I'm here with you. And he took over the call, the ambulance call. Um, I was hyperventilating. I didn't know what was going on. And then I couldn't remember my address. I couldn't even tell them my name. So then I knew something was really happening. Yep. I never thought in a million years um, when I, they, I was rushed to Ajax Pickering Hospital. And within a half an hour, I was feeling great. And I just remember the doctor coming in, um, asking my husband to have his friend leave. He was behind, like he was literally behind the curtain. And I just remember the doctor saying that uh, we're transferring you by ambulance to Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. You have a massive tumor in your brain and there's nothing we can do for you. And I was just like, I, I, I look at this, this for this day and I just remember my husband um, breaking down. He was crying. His friend was there. And then I heard him getting further and further away. And I realized that I was the only one in the hospital room. Everyone had left me because everybody was in shock. And I could hear Rich getting further, further away. He was crying. I could hear him calling people. Um, and then they came back. And then by that time, when they came back in the room, that's when I was transported. Um, they put on the sirens and I was transported with him um, to Sunnybrook Ho Hospital. And that night, that's when uh, a whole team of doctors, a lot of people have come to see me. Boogie came to see me that night. We didn't know, we didn't know for sure what it was exactly, other than I had a mass in my brain. And um, some people were thinking I was having an aneurysm. Um, people didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. And then I just remember everyone being asked to step outside of my room, except for my, my husband, like Rich, yeah. my mother-in-law, my sister. Um, but people were still kind of outside of the room, but they could hear what was going on. And that's when I remember Dr. DaCosta, who is a well-known brain surgeon at Sunnybrook, telling me that they didn't even know if they would be able to do a biopsy. They were going to try but the mass was from what they could see when they did the MRI. Um, it was so big. It was the size of a uh, orange in my head, in my little head. <laughs> and, uh, and um, I just remember them saying they were going to try to do a biopsy to determine my life expectancy. And right then and there, I was like, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. I don't care what you tell me. I'm not going anywhere. So I ended up having surgery was I was in the hospital for two weeks waiting for a, a surgeon to be able to do the surgery. And Dr. DaCosta, I remember he, he had said to me every, every day I would get um, prepped. They were like, no, 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 no eating. Cause you're going to go for surgery in the morning, but then my surgery would get the, the postponed. So I was in the hospital at Sunnybrook um, right outside the nurse's station. There was a, um, for, it was for like emergency. There was only four patients beds there and I was one of them I must have seen within that time that I was in that hospital for two weeks I saw about four to five different patients come and go from that room um, one of them coded when I was there so that was 
that first time I was kind of fearful because I was like, wow, this guy just quoted right in front of me. And I don't know what kind, I didn't know what kind of brain cancer he has because there's different types of brain tumors and brain cancer. Um, But when that happened, I was like, okay, I need to go on. So I asked for, to take a weekend um, pass and they were kind of hesitant to do that, but they did. I had a weekend pass. I literally left at, I think it was, um, 10 o'clock at night on the Friday, on the Friday. And then I had to be back by, uh, 10 o'clock in, in the evening on the Sunday. So I did that and same thing happened. I went, was prepped for surgery again on the Monday, nothing happened. So I was like, Oh, here we go again. It's going to be another. So it kind of went on and on. And then all, all of a sudden when the day that I wasn't I was, I wasn't ready. Next thing I know, I got, uh, woke up at six o'clock in the morning and I was told that I was going for surgery. And I was like, wow, they found a surgeon to actually do my surgery, which was Dr. DaCosta. He was willing to take that chance. Um, they removed 92% of the glioblastoma tumor. Um, but within, uh, three months, my tumor continued to grow. So a lot of people don't know much about glioblastoma. And I always say people need to highly, I recommend that you look it up because I always get asked, oh, you're doing well, you must be in remission. There is no such thing as remission for glioblastoma, which you already know, because I know you already looked at the, the stats. Um, people ask me, how do I, how have I got this far? Because the average life expectancy um, without surgery and without treatment is less than three months with surgery and chemo, like radiation treatment, all that stuff. Um, it's nine to 14 months. So I'm here now still fighting. I've been through so much. Um, it's been exactly as of this month, four years and seven months fighting glioblastoma brain cancer. I tell you, Steph, and, I, and I've told you many times, I so much love the journey that you're on. I love the fact that you continue to fight. Uh, and uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I've always been one of your biggest cheerleaders. Let's go, keep going, keep going. And uh, I think the, what you're doing is, 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 ama- is amazing and, and inspiring on so many levels. And so I, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you and just and chat and get caught up with you um, <laughs> certainly, certainly, I'm always you know send messages back and forth, but the opportunity to talk a bit is amazing. So, so I, I, w- I want to s- sort of go go back uh, a, a little okay. bit because um, I, I don't think people totally recognize you know like, this is like a whirlwind that you're on. Like it's just yeah. one thing after another coming from you have this to you know one you know, one occurrence one after that. Okay, what, what's what's going through your mind, Steph, as you're sort of going through this? very rapid journey of one thing to the next. What, what's, what's, what's the thoughts you're dealing with? Um, there's been so much for this journey. Like I, as you know, I've become an advocate um, because in Canada, um, and I don't, I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct, in Canada, in terms of um, funding, Ontario especially, a lot of people didn't know this. Um, even people that now I know that have been diagnosed with this, in Canada yep. and in Ontario, um, a lot of the people that I had become close with because of this has since passed. Mm-hmm. Everyone asked me why am I still here? What have I been doing to still keep here? Because as you know, the life expectancy is very grim. Um, I even lost, like I became close with uh, Marco Polo's dad, Frank. Mm-hmm. He was diagnosed with it like way after me. Um, 
and I was at their house a few times for dinner. We talked about different things that I, you could try. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that in Ontario, cancer treatments for brain cancer are not covered by OHIP. That was the biggest um, shock to me. Um, I had to actually, so the, I, I've been on three different chemos now. So the first chemo, the standard chemo is Temidar. Um, Temamyosine is the real, the uh, original name, but no one can ever say it. I can't even say it. So you just say Temidar. Um, that treatment, and this was back in 2016, for, for, for a month of chemo, and it's um, pill form. It can't, you can't do like IV for other, like you do for other treatments because right. it can't pass the blood brain barrier. Okay. So, and I know you know that because we had talked about that too. And um, it cost uh, 20, no, what was it? Uh, 40, $4,200 per month and not covered by OHIP. Wow. And that speaks volumes. Like I know people that have breast cancer, it's covered. So to me, and I used to get really angry because I'm like, what do your breasts are more, more important than your brain? Like this is your brain, right? right? So I did the, that treatment. So I did, I did the, for the, when I first was diagnosed, I did, um, it was six weeks straight of chemo and radiation back to back. Um, and that I didn't realize that because a lot of people I know said, oh, I would never do radiation. I didn't have that chance to even think about it. All I know is that I, this is what happened. I was rushed to the hospital and that's where my journey started. And I just wanted to make sure that I had every opportunity to survive this. And as I talked to you before, at that time in 2016, both my sons, Xavier and Darius, were graduating. Darius was graduating from grade eight, no, grade grade, uh, grade uh, nine, 10, grade nine, he was graduating. Sorry, my memory, sometimes my short-term memory and my long-term memory mix up. No he was graduating and Xavier was graduating from grade 12. He had got a partial scholarship to Ryerson um, and won a lot of awards. And Xavier, Darius had graduated and he graduated with honors, basketball award, all that, you know, he's a big basketball fan like yourself. And, um, I just remember my whole thing was I kept saying when they said, you know, the average life expectancy, this is that I don't want to know the average life. Don't talk about it. They said, and everybody's tumor is different. Um, they wanted my, so everybody wanted to know what the doctor thought my average life expectancy would be, not just the medium. And I didn't want to know. So my mother-in-law, Rich, um, and my sister both said, well, you can leave the room and we'll find out. And I said, but then I'll see your faces. So for a good year, I didn't want to know that. I didn't know. I didn't even look in my my chart because at Sunnybrook you have access to my chart. It tells everything. Mm -hmm. When I finally that that end of that year, I looked in my my chart and then I they, I seen what they said. They said based on because my like I said the tumor was the size of an an orange in yeah. my head. Yeah. Um, and even though they took ninety percent of that tumor out within three months of chemo and radiation, my tumor continued to grow. Right. So it was an up and down battle. So initially the doctors had told me um, it was in, I think it was October. No, it was, uh, I want to think it was August. Cause I remember they had told me that they knew that it had continued to grow, even though they were still giving me the chemo. Um, but they knew that even after that third month, 
they, it was still continuing to grow. There was not much that they could do. Um, they said they would look at some other stuff. And I just remember thinking like, they told me you failed it. And I changed that around. And I said, I didn't fail it. I did nothing wrong. It failed me. And that's when I was like this, I'm going to keep fighting. I don't care what anyone says. I have, I missed the, my, the most important thing. My son's two graduate, their graduations back to back. Right. And I said, I'm going to keep going. And I just, I started to learn a lot about this disease besides the fact, like I said, it was not covered. So $4,200 a month Huge. for, for the treatments. And I did four, I did three months of, of that. Um, and it failed me. So then they told me that they, I had a lot of brain swelling and that's when like you saw me, a lot of people didn't see me during that time, except for you, Ruby and my family. Nobody realized that, um, the dexamethasone, I call it the devil's tic-tac. That's the steroid that I was on. And I had a lot of people end up getting that swelling and gain a lot of weight from the dexamethasone. But at my doctors, my whole team, I have a team at Sunnybrook of all different types of doctors. And they said they never seen someone have such a a bad reaction um, as I did. So within, um, I think it was four or five months of being on the dexamethasone, Mm -hmm. I went up to 230 pounds. And I'm only five one. Yeah, so yeah. that was a lot. Like I can remember me and my, my husband, and I were just talking with my brother-in-law because they just live a couple streets over from us. And they said, I, I had forgot about this. They had said, do you remember there was a time where we had to put the kitchen chairs, line them up right outside to the, where, where I could walk and they could help me walk. Um, because also too, I was in a lot of pain, right. To help me walk, to guide because yep. I didn't have ski poles or anything to help me. And they would do that. And I said, I completely forgot about that. That was like, totally, I don't remember that. And for, at that point, um, my husband was saying, he thought for sure I wasn't going to make it. And then all of a sudden things started to change. And um, I just started like, I guess I, I, it was the whole thing, not giving up. I'm not going to give up. And I know that kind of sounds cliche because people say it all the time but I was like no I'm gonna make another mile I missed their milestones I'm gonna make other milestones and then I had a little bit of um a breakdown uh last year because um with my other son with Darius now graduating from high school you know with awards got into um the University of Toronto like the that's like he he applied for so many different universities got into all of them but he wanted Toronto and then not being able to even have that because now with the COVID he so again another milestone missed that and I was just like okay now I have to figure out and focus on something else what else can I look forward to go um to seeing what I can do next with this um because there's not really a lot of help and it's the the one thing I really want to say too um is in Canada, mm-hmm. there is, well, there's no cure, as we know, for glioblastoma. But in Canada, we only had one foundation for a charity, and it was the Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada. And they do great stuff, but they focus mostly on brain tumors. And brain tumors and brain cancer, completely different. And I don't think people understand oh, that. That's actually, I, I didn't. Yeah, they that. don't understand that. So now I just want to say they just rebranded. Brain Matters Charity was a brand new charity that came out just recently last year. But now they're actually in the process. Um, 
it, it's actually uh, on a lot, of the, a lot of their paperwork it's done, but they'll do a, a, a they're doing a launch next, a launch, I think next month, they are going to be, they just got approval. They're the first brain cancer, um, can, they're called Brain Cancer Canada now. That's what their name is now. Um, so you'll have your, the Brain Tumor Foundation. They are good for do what they do, brain tumors. But brain tumors and brain cancer, it tells you right there, it's two different things, right? So I am so happy and I'm thankful and they work with me. Um, we bounce off ideas and they actually just launched um, last month. And now they are the first in Canada, Brain Cancer Canada. So that is important because that will allow funding yes. because yes. there is no funding, right? So now we have a separate, you know, entity um, to focus on treatments because like I said before, there's been in, in Canada, at least since 2004, there's been no new treatments for brain cancer. And that speaks volumes when you, you think about that, right? So to have a foundation that is 100% um, volunteer, all the funding for treatments, 100% for it. So that's the new, I always tell everybody, please, please, please support Brain Cancer Canada. That's a brand new, they just, like I said, they just relaunched their design on their website and everything because they, and all their funding is going for brain cancer. I, I, I love the way that you've become such an incredible advocate, Steph. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have used your voice uh, your platform loud and strong and have been continuously and consistent. And I absolutely love that. You have not allowed, you know, you talk about this fight and you've not allowed it to even slow you down for a moment. I mean, and, and without question, I know that you've had different challenges throughout, but the way you've continued and now, and now that you're using not just to talk to your story, but the story of the others that are impacted by this, it's just incredible stuff. Yeah. I mean, like if they say it's rare, it's no longer rare. Like, um, like even just in Canada alone, the amount of people that contact me through social media, asking me for my email, um, and then all over the world, I can't even keep up. Like I have to take a break sometimes because I think people don't realize the ones that are always emailing me, um, messaging me through social media um, platforms, um, they don't even understand and realize that it's a lot of work for me to get up because I still do physio. Yeah. I still do occupational therapy because part of it is so my, my tumor is on the left side mm -hmm. of my brain, yep. but everything affects my right side. So I lost my ability to, and it didn't happen right away because in the beginning when I was first diagnosed, remember I was still running yes, because I, I was a marathon runner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but then after I wasn't able to do that anymore because it caused more brain swelling, the jumping down, I'm like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. So then I started the walking. So you'll see, you see me all the time. Yes. I walk anywhere. So during the week, I walk anywhere from seven to 10 kilometers. Um, and I'm doing pretty good walking. Like my last, I just did a walk. Um, I think it was yesterday and I did seven kilometers and I did it in a little, um, an hour and I think five minutes. So my speed is picking up for walking. Um, but I did try recently to run again. Um, and I did, I ended up, I didn't know where I was. Right. I didn't understand what was going on. I couldn't speak. Um, it's kind of like a bit of aphasia. And then when I went back to the hospital, they said, yeah, you're not supposed to be running. Like you have to understand, you still have a piece of tumor in your brain, number one, and you have 
the most deadliest brain cancer out there, glioblastoma. Like, what are you doing? You didn't go this far, you know, to go backwards. So I'm like, okay, perfect. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then I do, like, and I said, I do the advocate part but I think that people don't understand like all over the world like right now if I was to go into my inbox right now because I can't answer everybody there's like 15 messages right now in both my inbox on Instagram and Twitter people asking me from all over the world my mom just got diagnosed my dad just got diagnosed what did you do to get this far and I tell people and some people actually are quite um I'm trying to think of a nice word to use, like they'll ask for help. And then when I tell what I'm doing, like one of the things that I do is I have a naturopathic doctor yep. and I also have a cannabis doctor. Okay. And I've had my naturopathic doctor and my cannabis doctor since October of 2016. After I was told that the standard t- treatment failed me, um, I was like, well, I have nothing to lose. And you know me, like I wasn't really big on cannabis before, especially because prior to um, like working where I worked for the government, like with the um, attorney general, I was so against it. And then I was like, I changed my tune. Like, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I can Mm -hmm. to get through this. And I started doing that. And it's funny how some people will judge, like I get people sending me stuff telling me that you're a mom how dare you what kind of um, example are you setting using cannabis and it's just like I used to get into arguments with them I'm like it's not worth it it's not where I know what's working for me I know it's helping me um, for everything even for the pain like I never had pain at all like when I first got diagnosed like I did things that I didn't know or understand at the time like um, I remember going on break with a friend of mine um, when I was working full time and I didn't know how to put my car key, my keys in the car door. And I little, little things like that. And then I did things like I put my arm in the oven deliberately, almost robotically um, in the oven. And it was like, I think it was like 1130 at night, almost mid, almost midnight. And I did it and I knew I did it. And I didn't understand why. And I just remember Richard waking up in the middle of the night. And he was like, Oh my gosh, you're oozing. Like what's all, what's going on? It was all over my arm. And I said to him, I baked muffins. And he's like, Oh, so when he got up in the morning, he didn't even think he was like, well, where's the muffins? I said, I ate them. And I knew I lied and I don't eat stuff like that. I did for the boys. And he's like, well, where is everything? And he didn't even, it didn't even dawn on him. And I said, I said, I ate them all. And he's like, oh, okay. So little things like that were happening. Even at work, people said they noticed that, as you know, I'm like one one of the 10% population that is completely, truly 100% ambidextrous. So I always, like even in court, I would always use, have both pens going. Um, I couldn't even figure out how to use the pen, even though I could use both hands. I'm like, something's not right. Like little things. And I knew stuff, but I didn't say anything to anybody. And then- all hell broke loose, I guess. And that's when I found out what I had when they finally came and told us. And my mindset from the beginning, like I remember one of the first people that came to visit me was Boogie. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you're going to beat this. You're such a strong-willed minded person. I said, you're damn right. I'm going to beat it. Um, But, and I I just want to let people know that with that as well, I've been, there's been other things because of that, which People, they don't tell you this when you get diagnosed with brain cancer. And I don't know if it's because I'm one of the ones that have 
lived longer than what they had told me I would be. But two years ago, as a result of all the different types of chemo, like I was on Temidar, I was on Avastin, um, and then I'm, my last chemo was Lumistine. Um, and I just remember them saying that this is the last, this is the last chance. Like what, if you're going to do stuff, this is the last, the last chance. And I just remember, um, they never told me being on chemo for so long, um, the other health effects that come with it. Yeah, so no. two, yeah. So two years ago I ended up and I had chicken pox as a child. Yeah. I ended up with chicken pox and shingles so bad. And I was, I, I was on vacation when it happened. Like I, I knew something was wrong. I wanted to, my friends had taken me to Jamaica. Um, You know, they said, you know, you deserve to come for on a trip. Like you've been through so much. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That was like on the Wednesday. And on the Thursday, I said, I felt like I had a pinched nerve on my on my shoulder at the top so I went and saw I couldn't get in to see my physiotherapist so I went to my husband's um uh uh what do you call it um acupuncture doctor and um I forget the other doctors and so I said well can you do some acupuncture can you see like if there's something because I didn't want to be adjusted chiropractor that's what it is I didn't want to be adjusted and he said oh we can just do other stuff so he did two treatments like that and then I was still feeling like not completely right. And my girlfriends were like, you'll be fine. You're going to be in Jamaica. You know, you're going to be having fun You can drink some, you know, nice drinks and, you know, just have fun. By the time we got, so we were, we were in the airplane, uh, just coming out of the, the, we got onto the bus. And then I noticed I had from, um, the, the, the left side, from the fingers all the way to the back of my shoulder, it was all water blisters. So I thought maybe, cause they gave me Benadryl to kind of calm me down. Yes. And I was like, I never had Benadryl before. So we thought there's an allergic reaction to Benadryl. Right. And then within the night, like that, by, by that nighttime, it turned into lesions. And I remember that next day, uh, the, I, I, that was the worst pain that I've ever had through everything brain surgery, all the stuff, all the falls I've had because of this, that pain to have cause nerve damage. And I still have the nerve damage to this day. Like the, the scars are still there. Um, the lesions are obviously gone, but the amount of nerve damage that it caused, and they said, there's nothing that it can be, that can be done. So I just kind of deal with it. Um, but I just remember like the, those things, they don't tell you that happen. And as a result of everything that I've gone through um, last year, early last year, I was diagnosed with Raynaud's disease. It's um, a part of the lupus family. So I thought, oh, well, my brother was my, my younger brother has lupus. He was misdiagnosed. They didn't find out what it was until he was probably in his mid um, teens um, after he had uh, after he lost some of his um, extremities because of it. Right. So then we thought, well, maybe that, so I was tested for lupus and never came back that I had lupus, but they said that the reason why all this stuff has happened is I ended up with chemo induced Raynaud's disease. So a lot of people don't realize when you're on chemo that long, especially the type of chemo that I was on, it causes all the other things. Right. So there's that I've been going through and it's like another layer, right. Just another layer. And I just want one more, (laughs) One more battle that you need to that you overcome, and it's yeah. after the next. Steph, what I want to really ask you about is is the, the relationship with your family and what that's done. I would imagine 
uh, uh, you know, your husband, your son brings everyone closer together to, to support you. And also appreciation for the days that you have, because again, you were told you only have this amount of time. You far exceeded that. Uh, and so every day has been a blessing. And I'd imagine that's done something to bring your family closer together. What if you could talk about that? Um, it has uh, in a lot of ways, but there's also, um, there's some disadvantages of that. Like for, for my husband, he's become my caregiver. It's not, the relationship has completely changed. Um, and I think anybody that in that position, it's hard. Like we've had some struggles, ups and downs um, going through this. Like it's hard, even with the boys, like they forget. And I forget the night sometimes, like I repeat myself a lot. Um, and that's part of having brain cancer. And it gets frustrating for them. And sometimes, you know, we've ended up in disagreements, um, even with my son, except for uh, uh, Darius. Darius is like the mellow guy. Like he'll, he's like the peacemaker. Like he'll be like, you know, he'll come between my husband, myself and um, the other one, which is Xavier. And he'll be like, he'll like, he's like the peacemaker. He's like, you gotta understand. Like she may not, she may say something, but she'll forget it's her brain. Like this is brain cancer. So he's like, he's very mature like that. And just the calm, the calm guy. Right. So he'll bring us all together. Like I remember last month we were in the gym, all of us were, cause I have a home gym and um, we all sat down and that it was Jarius that said like, yeah, listen to what mom's saying. Like sometimes like I I'll try to say stuff and it doesn't come out the right way. And it's not a cop out. Some people have said to me, Oh, she's just cop. Like, that's just an excuse. It's not like, literally I have, I know what I want to say, but it doesn't always come out that way. So it's been, it's been a struggle. Um, because now it's like, he is like my caregiver and, you know, he'll go to, he goes to meetings and stuff for people that, you know, our caregivers, but then you kind of lose that aspect because it's like, then that's your title. You just become a caregiver, not my husband. I'm not your wife. When you, when you look at that. So we had to kind of go into counseling for that to kind of switch that because that is a big deal. That's, that's a big burden. People say, well, that's your, your spouse. Like you would do it for him. You would do it for her kind of thing. But when you're be someone's caregiver 24 seven, it's a big deal. It really is. And it causes a lot of issues. Right. And like you said, it does eventually bring you close together because now we were never ones to talk about, like for me, especially not so much my husband, but I've always been private. So it was hard for me to open up. And this is a whole new world for me to open up and share my feelings of what's going on, um, what I've been through. And even I haven't even even expressed and told so much um, more, there's so much more, right? So that, that's been a big challenge for me, but in that aspect, it bought, brought us together in terms of opening up now. Cause we were both like, his mom was like that too. Yeah. My, you know, I, like I said, my, I don't, my parents, my dad died when I was two years old in a car accident and my mom died in, um, 2006, I think it was 2000. Yeah. It's been a long time. So I, I lost both my parents at a very young age. Right. So um, my mother-in-law, she's like my mom, right? And it's, it's, it's good that she lives close to us, right? So we, we can see her more, but she's been um, very instrumental 
in my relationship of, you know, she'll, if she thinks that my husband's a little bit out of line with me and has right. to remind me, she'll be like, she has brain cancer, like, come on. And she's very, like I said, very, very supportive of me. So um, we're, we're learning. It's like a, it's a learning curve. Um, it's hard. I would not wish this on anybody, especially like being someone as a caregiver. Uh, it's hard. Right. And like, he would never, he's like, I'm not going to put you in a home. Like right. a lot of people, that's the first thing they'll do. Right. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a trial, you know, I'm going through all this stuff. Um, but we're, we're managing and uh, we're listening to each other more. Yeah. So that's, that's been a blessing there too. And trying to, you know, fight this together. It's amazing. And, and, you know, you talked about the support network and how important that is and how much of a difference maker it is to help you. I, I'm listen, Steph. I can't say enough how inspired I have, you know. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a generally a positive guy and upbeat guy. And, uh, and when I see what you bring and, and, and how you do it in such grace and and, you know, and determination, uh, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired constantly from, by you, uh, Steph. Uh, I, I love you. I love everything you're doing. And you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm back there che cheering you on, man. Cheering you <laughs> all the way. <laughs> Amazing. So I, 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 I want to thank you for, for taking the time and sharing. And any, any sort of last thoughts that you want before we get out of here that you want to share with uh, folks? Uh, know? I mean, so much. I just keep, keep telling everyone. I, my biggest thing I tell everyone, don't allow anyone to determine your life expectancy. That's like the biggest thing. Um, because when you have a terminal illness like this and you hear all the different physicians, the scientists even say that you're not going to make this. This is the average life expectancy. And it's like when anytime you, it doesn't matter what country you're in. If you look up glioblastoma, they'll tell you the average life expectancy is nine to 14 months. Right. So I would say, don't allow anyone because I'm still here. It's been a struggle. It's hard. I've been through so much that I didn't even tell you yet. Um, it's so much to go, go through. Um, but you just have to believe. And that's my thing. Just believe. Um, and I do like people ask me, why do I walk so much long walks? I listen to music. Um, cause you know, music's my favorite thing, oh. but I also listen to podcasts too. Yeah. When you know what I mean? To keep me going and trying to figure out like, how much more time I have. Can I keep going? And then I had to kind of change that and just say one day at a time. So I just take one day at a time, grateful for every day that I wake up and every day that I go to sleep. That, and that, that's the key, having that appreciation for that daily journey. And we, we, we didn't even talk about the music and how, you know, and how much a music lover you are and, and how, how I'm sure impactful that's been because uh, there's such a soothing sort of release, I'm sure, for you when, when in terms of what it brings to you in your world. Yeah, you know me. Music, especially when they, it's impactful lyrics, right? Yes. Lyrics matter. <laughs> Lyrics matter. Remember Lyrics matter. You remember? <laughs> that was my remember. I even when I had my my clothing. You're Richard Shadow for me as well. All right. I will. Yeah, I know. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Love you too. Stop. Right. Lyrics matter. Awesome. Awesome. Steph, thank you for this. It's such an appreciation. Love you. Keep going. Love you too. And uh, man, all the best. Take care of yourself. All right. Okay. Bye bye. 
Back we are here on the podcast. Uh, thanks you so much to Steph for being here. Uh, like I said off the top, I, I, I had a wonderful time chatting with her. Uh, and Steph, it was great having you on the podcast. Uh, your story is a powerful one. And uh, it's really my true hope uh, that our listeners walked away uh, feeling in- inspired. Now, Steph has become a, a bit of an advocate for, for glioblastoma. Uh, and she did raise some really important points around the lack of support uh, or funding for the necessary research to actually find a cure. Um, however, there is an organization that uh, you can read about, learn more about, donate money uh, if, you, if you're so inclined. That's Brain Cancer Canada, uh, uh, a brand new foundation. Again, this would be a good opportunity if you are, are so inclined. Um, again, shout out, Steph. I appreciate you coming through. And I also appreciate you as our listeners. Uh, thank you for your ongoing support of the Audacious Living Podcast. Uh, like I said in the past, you guys have made a lot of fun. I appreciate all the support. And you know, much like Steph, I- I'm going to keep going as well. Uh, be sure to visit bestaudaciouslife.com. That is our website. All our past episodes are there. Uh, and whatever content comes out uh, about the podcast is that is your home. That is your spot. Uh, so definitely head on over and check it out. You can even subscribe for the to the mailing list. And that way you're on top of any new content and any new notifications that come out. They will, they will be sent directly to you. Well, that's it for me. Uh, This has been another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast, a special bonus edition here on International Women's Day. Thank you all for, for taking the time, checking out the program. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.